Dr. Amalia Gonyas Malka. Welcome to Womanity, Woman in Unity, the show that celebrates prominent and ordinary African women's milestone achievements in their struggles for liberation, self-emancipation, human rights, democracy, racism, socioeconomic class division, and gender-based violence. In recognition of International Women's Day, which is celebrated annually on the 8th of March, Today's series takes us around the world to hear international voices from ambassadors and high commissioners from different countries who have featured on the show. The theme for this year's International Women's Day is Women in Leadership, Achieving an Equal Future in a COVID-19 World. I think it's worth bearing in mind that United Nations Women states that gender equality is not only a basic human right, but its achievement has enormous socioeconomic ramifications. Empowering women fuels thriving economies, spurring productivity and growth. Joining us on the line today is the Ambassador of Ireland to the Republic of South Africa and Mauritius, Ambassador-designate to Botswana, Kingdom of Lesotho and Zimbabwe, Finula Gilsonen. Welcome to the show, Ambassador. Hi, thank you very much. It's lovely to be back on again. To begin with, in your opinion, what is the significance of International Women's Day and its relevance today? I mean, the thing that I really like about International Women's Day, um, particularly for those of us who are committed to the work of gender equality, which we do 365 days of the year, is that um, it's, a, it's a time really for reflection that helps us to you know, look back at how far we've come um, you know, over the last year or even longer. I also think it's really important for young women because it isn't always the case that, 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 that young women understand um, the struggles and the successes and sometimes can be very focused on the challenges and the problems. But it's good to remember that we actually have made progress and International Women's Day is, is a day to celebrate that prog uh, progress. But it's also, it's also a day to, to look at the kinds of challenges that we have and as women to, to really begin to strategize collectively on how we deal with those problems into the future. So I have to say, I, I, it's a day I really like, and I like to do something on that day, you know, be involved in some way in, in something that, that's very particular to International Women's Day. And do you have any particular plans on how you're going to celebrate or commemorate the event? Yeah, this year, I'm, I'm hoping to gather some Irish women in business operating in, in Gauteng and, and surrounds to have a conversation with them about uh, the kind of businesses they're engaged in, the kinds of issues they're finding for women in leadership, and just look at building a network of, of Irish women and Irish-linked women. So, so there are South African women maybe who've studied in Ireland um, and, and just try to, to pull together a, a group of women that I haven't met before. Uh, and particularly in these times when it's difficult to meet, trying to find constellations of smaller groups um, of women that you can meet uh, will be important. And then we'll also do something internally in the embassy to mark the day. We have um, quite a, a strong uh, women's staff at the embassy and it's always important for us to, to mark that day as, as the staff at the Embassy of Ireland. And this aspect of networking is so critical 
for women, particularly when it comes to, to the business world. It's something which we see time and time again that um, women are not so good at doing. But perhaps that is a benefit out of COVID, which is forcing us into Zoom screens and team meets to improve on our networking capabilities. Yeah, I think it's really important because it, it comes very naturally to men because they spend time out in the world, whereas women are often balancing a lot of different requirements between home and work and, and, and friendships and, and, and extended family. So finding time to network is really important because there's a huge value in that for women. And uh, there's a huge value in it for everyone. That's why men spend time on the golf course. So it, it is really important for us to build those networks, to build those connections um, and that, that allow us to share experience and strategize around the kind of challenges that we face. You often find a solution in a conversation with somebody that you haven't expected, just merely through meeting somebody that is not in your, your usual kind of um, uh, immediate uh, or extended circle. So it's really, I have to say, a thing that I think is, is extremely important and should be encouraged by those of us who can, can convene these kinds of groups. And thinking about the nature of, of leadership, this year's theme is women in leadership achieving an equal future in a COVID-19 world. It really emphasizes the role that female leaders are playing in pursuit of equality. As a female leader, in the short term, what types of mechanisms do you think could be used to reduce the inequalities that women still experience? I was thinking about this and, you know, just looking at the broader theme for International Women's Day this year is, is around, you know, challenging gender inequality and challenging um, maybe misogyny and calling out behaviour that you see. And I think that that's quite important because there's a lot of um, there's a lot of experience of discrimination that you meet on a daily basis, and for reasons of politeness, um, or you know that you just don't feel comfortable, you don't feel confident, uh, you don't call that out. And I think that that's really a role now for men and women is to actually challenge gender inequality when they when they see it and and when they hear it. And I think that that's something that's quite important when it comes to gender-based violence, because we all know the silence that surrounds gender-based violence, particularly uh, in, in the domestic sphere. So I think having the courage to call out is extremely important as a, as a short-term mechanism. The other thing that I would say is that you know, women's organizations are extremely important. Um, the more isolated you are, the more vulnerable you are. Um, so connecting into women's organizations and trying to find those, I mean, sometimes they're networks, but sometimes they're actually organizations that allow women to, to have strength in numbers and to understand better the kinds of challenges that they face is really important. And again, that that analysis comes from jointly looking at the, the problems that we encounter and then understanding the root causes of, of those problems. And that, in turn, allows you to develop strategies that are meaningful. So I would say, for me, there are some of the things that 
um, are, are, are quite important in the short term that we, that we need to engage with. There are many more, but just to highlight um, a few. Of course, and the ones that you've proposed are very actionable. Anybody can call gender inequality out when they see it. It's not something that is going to take a tremendous effort to go and implement. It's simply seeing things, hearing things, and, and calling people to task. And what, what I notice now as well in, in popular culture, so I think this is a big advantage for young people. And, um, you know, I notice more now watching TV shows and so on that, that actually these things are called out and people say, that's not cool. And it's kind of, you know, it's, it's, it, it, it's actually providing a language for young people to uh, address these issues. Perhaps I would say a language that maybe we didn't have um, when, when I was younger. And it's, it's, it's a huge advantage to have that happening in popular culture because you can take it much more easily and integrate it into your, your social interactions uh, with people. And I would say the language is quite important, you know, that, that, that that's the first and um, it's the first point at which you can challenge people. Actions usually follow language. So it's, it, it, it really is something that, as you say, everybody can do and everybody has the, the, the power to engage in, in that challenge and, and calling these issues out. Ambassador, Ireland has been known for some of its prominent ladies, the likes of, of Mary Robinson come to mind immediately. Can you please use this platform in honor of International Women's Day to share a, a couple of stories or, or features about women who have made important changes, or rather have been important change agents in Ireland? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's really hard to talk about change in Ireland and women leaders in Ireland without talking about Mary Robinson, because she's been so influential um, in terms of the issues that she has aligned herself with from early on. You know, so Mary Robinson was, was very um, influential in Ireland even before she became president. She campaigned very strongly for family planning rights for women. Uh, she campaigned very strongly on um, equality for, for gay and, and lesbian people. And these were issues that, you know, in the 70s and 80s, nobody in Ireland wanted to, uh, you know, address those issues. And then the way she used her presidency was extremely innovative. You know, the, the presidency in Ireland is a non-executive role. So it, largely the space that you operate in is, is, is symbolic. And she just opened up the presidency to, you know, to ordinary people. She engaged with community groups. She engaged with people who were marginalized within society who didn't have voice. And she demonstrated how you can use your leadership position to really make a difference without necessarily having political power as such, but having the, the power of, uh, I suppose it's political power with a small P and it's, um, it's social capital and it's educational capital and it's intellectual capital that was all deployed to make a difference in, in people's lives. The other person I wanted to mention who, who won't be known internationally is a woman called Catherine Corliss. And she, she is really the epitome, epitome of, of an ordinary person. You know, she, she lives in the west of Ireland. 
um, she, she gave up work to look after her four children and she developed an interest in local history and kind of thinking back in her own childhood, she remembered these kids who were kept in an institution um, who were who were the children of, of unmarried mothers. And she did some amazing historical research about um, those children and particularly she was conscious that many had died um, unrecognized. But in fact, you know, the, the story was largely forgotten, largely um, suppressed. And over a, a, a great number of years, she maintained a commitment to uncovering the, the truth about those children and in turn, the truth about what their, their mothers suffered. And I think that that was an incredibly important contribution to Irish society, because if you don't know your past, then it's very, very difficult for you to ensure that the same kinds of things don't happen again. Um, and, and so she made a, a tremendous contribution. So I just wanted to mention her because internationally she won't be well known, but, but she's a, an example of an ordinary person who decided that she wanted to make a real difference to um, the lives of women who had suffered in, 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 in a very profound way. It is an important contribution, especially in, in Irish society, of being able to have people recall their history so that they can move forward with their present. And lastly, Ambassador, in celebration of International Women's Day, please can you share a, a short message for girls and women who are listening to us? You know, I, I think when I was um, when I was studying and and was lucky enough to to to, to do gender studies, the the thing in gender studies that I. I liked the most was this idea of women's agency. And I think that it, it's because so often um, I, I grew up with a narrative of women as victims or women as second-class citizens, women who didn't have power. And when I was introduced to this concept of women's agency, the idea that women actually do have power, that you do have the possibility of changing your own circumstances, I found that incredibly liberating. So I suppose I just want to remind people, I want to remind women and girls in particular, that it's important to remember your own power. Um, and, you know, even if that power is limited by, by the society that you're growing up in or the circumstances that you have, economic circumstances or otherwise, but still, there's always some room to express your own power and your own agency. So that would be my message. Remember you have agency. Wonderful message. Um, thank you. It is really about uplifting your spirit as you go on. That was Ambassador Fanula Gilsiman of Ireland to the Republic of South Africa and Mauritius, Ambassador-designate to Botswana, Kingdom of Lesotho and Zimbabwe. Hi, I'm Zonke Digana, a South African Afro-Soul musician, songwriter and producer. You are listening to Womanity, Women in Unity on Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. Joining us for our next segment in our special edition on our compilation for International Women's Day is the Ambassador of Senegal to the SADC region, Ambassador Safiatu Njai. Welcome to the show, Ambassador. It's great to host you again. 
Thank you, Dr. Malka. It's uh, a great pleasure for me to be uh, your guest in this wonderful show, uh, Womanity. Thank you for inviting Senegal. Absolute pleasure. Ambassador, to begin with, the theme for International Women's Day this year is Women in Leadership Achieving an Equal Future in a COVID-19 World. It aims to celebrate the tremendous efforts that women and girls around the world are playing in terms of shaping a more equal future, as well as recovery from the COVID-19 pandemic. It also aligns with calls for women's rights to decision-making across all areas of life. What are your perspectives of the theme and how can we not only encourage more women to assume decision-making roles, but also for them to be accepted in these positions? You know, this pandemic, Dr. Malka, was something, of course, terrible. We all know that, but terrible mostly for women. Uh, first of all, I would like um, to record the heavy consequences that uh, women around the world suffered during this crisis. In fact, in this time of coronavirus, women suffered disproportionately uh, because they were taking care of themselves, far from infections, but taking care also from the, for their families to protect them from the infections. But economically speaking, the situation, of course, is the same all over the world. Men and women generally work in different sectors. But in the service sectors, hardly hit by uh, the current crisis, women are overrepresented. They work as receptionists, housekeepers, flight attendants, waitress, hairdressers, etc. And especially in low-income countries, many women work in the informal sector and therefore do not benefit from social protection, unemployment insurance, or any other kind of support. That's why it was really um, hard for women in some areas. And also the weight for, of domestic tasks is very, is very um, complicated for women. Between men and women uh, within household, normally we are sharing tasks. But in normal time and under prevailing special norms, women and girls take responsibility for household maintenance and care for family members. But it is very likely that the burden of this task during this pandemic has increased for the women because first of closure of schools, some of them were obliged to take care of their kids at home. Um, the quarantine, they were obliged also to take care of the elderly in the house. The growing number of sick people around the, the, their communities, women were obliged to take care of all these. And um, the situation is likely to cause many women around the world to quit their jobs because they couldn't continue to handle all this. And since that teleworking is not possible sometimes, most of them, they end up uh, being at home, facing a lot, a lot of several problems. But however, we must still salute 
the strong mobilization of women during this pandemic. Already in terms of communication, they have been present everywhere using all digital communication platforms, but also community radios, as in Senegal, where awareness has been done in several local languages. This is also the case in many countries around the world where women have made their voice heard in the global struggle. That was globally, uh, Dr. Malka, my, my point in, um, in that question concerning uh, globally. The, the, the Certainly, I mean, women have been hit because they operate a lot in the informal sector. They operate on the front lines as essential workers. And all of that has a compounding effect with this view of doubling up on home chores or home labor that, that plays a, a strong role in this space. From a Senegalese perspective, many societies on the African continent are patriarchal. And that has really impacted negatively on progressing equality for women. Yet, interestingly, in some areas of Senegal, they're matriarchal cultures. Can you tell us about some of the practices and what the benefits have been for women in terms of equality? Yes, as in um, other African countries, matriarchal culture exists in certain regions of Senegal. One of the main obstacles to gender equality remains the shift from historical matriarchal system to patriarch. However, it should be noted that Senegal has made significant progress in terms of taking uh, in charge of the gender parity. First of all, I would like to recall that the right to vote for Senegalese women was granted on June 6, 1945. In other words, the battle was won very early in this regard in Senegal. Then since 2010, the law establishing absolute parity between men and women in all fully or partially elective institutions have been passed. And I'm very proud to say that I'm a member, I'm still a member of that board. With this law, it's the establishment of the healthy and objective competition, social justice, and the recognition of the importance of the position of the involvement of all women to meet the challenges of construction and development of our country. Also, on January 2020, his Excellency Akisal, President of the Republic of Senegal, officially promulgated law number 2020-05, criminalization, rape, and pedophilia in Senegal. Before this law, rape was considered a simple offense punishable by five to 10 years in prison. From now on, the perpetrators of rape and pedophile act will be tried in the criminal chamber and face a sentence of up to life imprisonment and it's for women and children, a big, big step forward. This means that um, notable acts have been taken in Senegal 
in the area of women's rights and equality. With these types of, of acts that have come into place and when you're talking about uh, attaining the, the opportunity to vote in South Africa, the majority of women as a population only got that opportunity in 1994. But nonetheless, from a Senegalese perspective, with these types of opportunities, it really must have empowered women in Senegal. So could you tell us about some of the, the trailblazers or change makers that have left a mark in Senegal? With great pleasure. My example today will be uh, Njambat Mboch. Njambat Mboch was a queen in Walo. Walo is in the northern part of, uh, part of Senegal. She was born around uh, the 18th and she died in September 1846. And uh, as a queen, she was also resistant to colonial penetration. A woman who was fighting, leading troops, and who even went up to uh, accepting to get married to the Emir of Traza from the Mauritanian side because of the slave trade. There was too many slave trades. And seeing that her empire in the Wallow was weak in front of the Emir of Traza, of the more Chinese side, she accepted even to get married so that we can have a peace agreement. Jambat uh, was also very involved in politics in, at that time already in Senegal. Uh, she organized a lot of uh, elections, even though women as a queen couldn't be uh, the one leading the community. She was the one responsible for the nomination and election of at least two Walo Braks, uh, the Brak Farapenda Boj and the Brak Malik Boj, uh, who was the, the king at that time. She was the one who was in charge because the Nobel Council of Electors in charge of electing the kings in this um, family would have been briefed by Linge and Jambat to appoint at least her preferred candidate. That's one of the key role of women in Senegal since really a long time. Lingen Jambanbot was one of the monarch of pre-colonial Senegambia who resisted hardly to colonial administration. She was also seen as a strong and powerful woman who brought her country and her people together by agreeing, as I said to you earlier, to marry the Emir of Traza, to ensure security on her kingdom and her people. She died in 1846. And up to now, we are celebrating Queen Njambanboj and even her sister, her younger sister who came after her, Linger Ndateyal. When you go into our history uh, files, you can discover a lot about this woman who are the pioneer really of fighting. There are a lot of them. It was just an example that I chose today. And that's something which I admire from African history in particular, the role of women in peacekeeping, where they would marry into tribal uh, tribes where there was conflict and 
she restored tranquility between her tribe and the tribe that she married into. Um, and I, I think that's something which is very different if you think about it from a Western perspective when we were being colonized as a continent. It was very much about conquering as opposed to uniting. It was a big sacrifice, I think, that this woman was doing to make sure that they will um, protect their people. But women are continuing to make sacrifice still up to now. Indeed we are. Hopefully those sacrifices will pave the way for the women that come after us and make their life easier and if we assume it as almost our debt and our burden of paying forward. Ambassador, as we come to the end of the segment, please could you use this platform to share some words in recognition of International Women's Day? Yes, on this um, moment of celebration of the International Women's Day, I would say even the International Women's Month, actually, I would like first to congratulate all the women of the world for their countless effort that they're making on a daily basis for the survival of their families on the key position they hold with bravery and self-sacrifice. Then I urge them also to, rem to remain more mobilized for the defense and safeguard of their interests wherever they are. The world needs today more than ever, more educated and committed women than ever before. Because the challenges are still numerous and they, like men, must provide solutions to the problem, which arise not only for the present generation, but also for those of the future. And I would like also Dr. Marka to take the opportunity to congratulate you personally for this tremendous work you were doing, giving an opportunity to all women from wherever they're coming from to have this wonderful platform to share their views, to raise their voice. Thank you for what you're doing. Thank you so much, Ambassador. We appreciate that compliment. My pleasure. That was Ambassador Safiatu Njai of Senegal, who represents Senegal across the SADC region. Hi, this is Lira, South African Afro-Soul singer and songwriter. You're listening to Womanity, Women in Unity, presented by Dr. Amelia Malka on Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance, a program that celebrates prominent and ordinary African women's milestone achievements in their struggle for liberation, self-emancipation, human rights, and democracy. Joining us for our next segment in our special edition on our compilation for International Women's Day is Deputy Minister of International Relations and Cooperations, Ms. Candice Mosheko Glamini. Deputy Minister, the 8th of March is International Women's Day, where women celebrate across the world. How do you see the role of female leadership, whether it's in the business space, academic, government, or any other field for that matter? Well, uh, this, this year's theme is really a very critical one. Most of we have experienced the COVID-19 uh, um, 
almost 12 months, as you said. And, and now women in leadership really need to strive to achieve the better things during this difficult time. So we, we, we are looking forward to that um, our women, as they are celebrating the, the, the 8th of March, our women must really come out in all the numbers, whether in webinars or in Zoom and all that, so that we, we discuss the women taking space in the continental free trade, trade area, the women taking space in the community in terms of uh, the coming up with the better vaccines that is an African vaccine, and the women taking space that they are taking the vaccines because most of our women, as it stands now, they are frontline workers. Majority of them are frontline workers. And these are the people that need to work tirelessly for us so that our life can be saved. But their lives must be saved first before our lives are saved. So as the vaccine is here now in South Africa, and the South African program is ready to vaccinate the frontline workers, I plead for all our women to take the vaccine so that their life can be spared for us. That's a very important message because it has that ripple effect. You've got the frontline workers who are actively seeing patients. You've got women who then go back to their homes, attend to their families. Yes. And from a leadership perspective, the challenge that always strikes me is that across the world, we have got very, very few women who are heads of state. But yeah. yet, if we think about some of the women who have led their countries from a COVID-19 um, environment, the likes of Sana Marin, Angela Merkel, Jacinda Ardem in New Zealand, mm. these are all women who are demonstrating exemplary leadership. How can we strengthen female leadership qualities to see more women coming up and occupying leadership spaces? Well, um, I think we, we, we need really to, to make sure that uh, we give space. We, we, you know, in Africa, we, we have got culture, we've got religion, and we, 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 we have got beliefs and, and, and all these things. But I, I, I play that one day African communities will realize that all the things that are put on our table in front of us, all the things that are done and these are done properly, all the things that are implemented properly even in government, uh, it is because of these women that when they're doing the community work, they're thinking about their children, they're not thinking about their stomachs. So most of our women are not corrupt. This is a sector of our population that needed to be given space for a better service delivery in our communities, especially in Africa. We, we're quite aware, we read a lot about uh, this one corrupt, taking the money from government and doing this and that, arresting this and that, but there's no name of a woman who has just disadvantaged poor communities and tried to enrich herself. So the community of Africa and South Africa in particular, 
they must realize that and start to make a good choice when they elect leadership. And Deputy Minister, you are a leader. You occupy a very important uh, role for, for the country and for the continent. Can you tell us a little bit more about your personal journey and some of the factors that have contributed to your success? Well, my, my personal journey was not that one, uh, that good one. Uh, I, can, I cannot appreciate it because I joined politics and um, I was a teacher and a politician at the same time. And, and, and also, I, I had women whom I, I see as uh, good leaders, the women that really mattered me to be what I am, uh, women the likes of... Um, the late Winnie Mandela, the late uh, Albertina Sisulu, as the made a spirit rest in peace, of course, they have contributed in my life to be what I am today. And my feeling is that I need to transfer what I am today to other young women so that they really can understand that if you are a woman, it, it, it really takes strength and commitment for you to contribute in the entire uh, society, in the community, and also in the country. So, so I really appreciate the mentorship and the, the growth that I receive from these women and other women that I, I didn't mention. Definitely, they were my role model, they were my teachers, and they've made me what I am. And in honor of International Women's Day, could you please use this platform to share a message? Of course, in honor for the, the International Women's Day, I just want to say, women, wherever you are, in whatever corner you are, whether in the rural urban, I know that some of our women they are so devastated, they are almost um, they are almost really looking around because of this COVID that they can't really do anything. I'm still saying to them, life is still there. Please, let's contribute to our economy. Let's contribute in growing our children in a proper environment. Let's teach our children good manners. Let's help our children to study because it is very difficult to study during this COVID-19. All of us as women, let's give support to our children and to our teachers who are teaching our children. Thank you very much for that message and we wish you a happy Women's Day. Thank you very much. Thank you very much and thank you to the listeners. You have been listening to Womanity, Women in Unity on Channel Africa, The African Perspective.